Jai Jai Sri Chaitana Jai Nithananda Jai Adeta Chandra Jai Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Jai Jai Sri Chaitana Jai Nithananda Jai Adeta Chandra Jai Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Jai Jai Sri Chaitana Jai Nityananda Jai Adeta Chandra Jai Gaura Bhakta Vrinda So we're going to be reading from Chaitana Charitamrita. The only problem is I don't know where we're supposed to be reading from, so... If there is a place marked in the book, there is. I'm just going to open to that page, and we'll read from there. Although, I think I'll read from my tablet. This is too small for me. Oh, we, we can try. So, Lord Chaitanya instructs Sanatana Goswami. This is um, Madhulila, chapter 20. I don't know where we left off. Anybody know? Any idea? It's all nectar. So we'll start with text 346. It's the famous verse. I will think it's better. I read from my tablet. Madhya 20. Madhya Lila, chapter 20. Text 346. That's a lot of text, isn't it? And it's all written in poetry. Tayan Krita Yajan Yogyas Trithayam Dwaparer Chayan Yad Apnoti Tad Apnoti Whatever is achieved by meditation in Satya Yuga, by the performance of Yajna in Treta Yuga, or by the worship of Krishna's lotus feet in Dwapara Yuga, is obtained in the age of Kali simply by chanting the glories of Lord Keshava. Text 347. Kalim sabha jayantyarya gunagyashara bhaginaha 
Those who are advanced and highly qualified and are interested in the essence of life know the good qualities of Kali Yuga. Such people worship the age of Kali because in this age one can advance in spiritual knowledge and attain life's goal simply by chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. They worship Kali Yuga. We always complain about it and they're worshiping it. Okay, so the next time you complain about Kali Yuga, remember this verse. And actually, it's it's because of the misfortune of Kali Yuga that we have the, we have the fortune. The fortune is given because of the misfortune. Like welfare is given to those who are poor, not to those who are wealthy. So, this age is so depleted of good fortune that Mahaprabhu just decided, okay, we're going to create good fortune out of a very unfortunate situation. This is a quotation from Srimad Bhagavatam 11.536, spoken by the great sage Karabhajana Rishi, one of the nine Yogendras. The sage was informing Maharaj Nimi about the people's duty to worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead according to different processes in different yugas. And because the process of Sankirtan is the Yuga Dharma, then then therefore he's glorifying that this age because that process can give you everything the other process can give you, but it can give you much more in less time. It's less expensive, more efficient. And doesn't take so long. Text 348. As stated before, when I descended the incarnations of the material modes, the guna avatar, stated before, when I descended, oh, excuse me, when I described the incarnations of the material modes, the guna avatars, one should consider that these incarnations also are unlimited and that no one can count them. You have, if you study Chaitanya Charjamrita, then it describes different categories of incarnations. It's a, uh, I would say it's quite interesting the way Krishna incarnates in different kinds of incarnations for different functions. They're not all the same. They're, and some are Jiva souls that are empowered. Some are partial expansions. Some are personal expansions. It's all kinds of. Text 349. Thus I have given a description of the incarnations of the four different yugas. After hearing, hearing all this, Sanatana Goswami gave an indirect hint to the Lord. Raja Mantri Sanatana Bhujye Brihaspati Prabhur Kripate Puche Ashankochamati. Sanatana Goswami had been a minister under Nawab Hussein Shah, and he was undoubtedly as intelligent as Brihaspati, the chief priest of the heavenly kingdom. Due to the Lord's unlimited mercy, 
Sanatana Goswami questioned him without hesitation. I'm just going to read the translation, keep the flow. Sanatana Goswami said, I am a very insignificant living entity. I am low and poorly behaved. How can I understand who is the incarnation for this age of Kali? Purport. This verse is very important in reference to the incarnations of God. At present, there are especially many rascals prevalent in India who proclaim themselves incarnations of God or goddesses. Thus, they are fooling and bluffing foolish people. On behalf of the general populace, Sanatana Goswami presented himself as a foolish, low-born, poorly behaved person, although he was a most exalted personality. Inferior people cannot accept the real God, yet they are very eager to accept an imitation God who can simply bluff foolish people. All this is going on in the age of Kali. To guide these foolish people, Sri Chaitana Mahaprabhu answers the questions, the question as follows. So, Bhagavatam, first canto says, Manda Bhagya. Manda Bhagya means no fortune or bad fortune. No fortune, bad, it actually means, yeah, Bhagya. Bad. Manda. Mandasu manda matayo manda bhagya upadita, you know. Bad intelligence, bad this, bad that, and bad fortune, misfortune. So what this is here, we're learning one of the key aspects of people's misfortune is that they would accept someone as God who isn't. And obviously, if you accept someone as God who isn't God, then no chance to accept the real God, right? Yes? So then your whole human life is wasted because you were cheated by someone who told you he was God and asked you to surrender to him. So what could be worse than that, right? I mean, you know, you might have a pastor that engaged in some nefarious activity or just innocently ignorant. But at least he doesn't say he's God. But for someone to say, I'm God and worship me, what could be worse? There's a saying, if someone, if someone does something bad to you, you say, I forgive you for doing something bad, and I forgive myself for allowing you to do something bad to me. So I forgive you for being a bogus incarnation, and I have to forgive myself for accepting you, for believing you, for being so foolish. <laughs> Text 352. Prabhu kahe anyavatara shastra dharajani Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu replied, As in other ages, an incarnation is accepted according to the directions of the Shastras. In this age of Kali, an incarnation of God should be accepted in that way. So the question was, how do you know who is an incarnation? 
Uh, that's a good question, isn't it? Someone says, I'm an incarnation. Okay, well, let's, let's see what the Shastra says. According to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this is the way an incarnation should be accepted. Srila Narottam Das Thakur says, Saru Shastra Guru Bhakya Chite Te Koriya Aikya. One should accept a thing as genuine by studying the words of saintly people, the spiritual master, and the Shastra. The actual center is the Shastra, the revealed scripture. The spiritual master does not speak according to the revealed scripture. He is not to be accepted. Similarly, if a saintly person does not speak according to the Shastra, he is not a saintly person. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? If a saintly person doesn't speak according to Shastra, he's not a saintly person. So, so-called saintly person. In other words, Prabhupada's saying, you can't be a sadhu and concoct. You have to be, you have to be representing Shastra. The Shastra is the center for all. Unfortunately, at the present moment, people do not refer to the Shastras. Therefore, they accept rascals as incarnations. And consequently, they have made incarnations into a very cheap thing. Have you seen this? It's just people meet someone and they get a good feeling and everyone's saying, oh, this person's an incarnation. So they say, okay, I accept that. And there's, they have no idea who is God and who is an incarnation. Intelligent people who follow Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's instructions and the instructions of the Acharya, the bona fide spiritual master, will not accept a pretender as an incarnation of God. Here's the crux of it. That we are so fortunate that we have a bona fide spiritual master and a bona fide understanding of Shastra because we, therefore, would never be deceived by anyone, either guru or so-called incarnation. And this is why people are deceived, because they don't have Shastra and they don't have Guru. So, you're all very fortunate. Somehow or other, you did something to come into the shelter of Prabhupada. And now you'll never be bewildered. It's impossible, if you have Prabhupada's shelter, to ever be bewildered by this. And it's very difficult not to be bewildered by this if you don't have Prabhupada's shelter. So we're all very fortunate Prabhupada. Um, has tackled all the potential problems that we could face on our journey back to God, this being one of them. Bogus incarnations and, of course, bogus gurus. Sometimes they come in the same body. Bogus incarnation, bogus guru. All, All packed up into one body. Yes. In Kali Yuga, the only incarnation is Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Imitation incarnations take advantage of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The Lord appeared within the past 500 years, played as the son of a Brahmana from Nadia, and introduced the Sankirtan movement. Imitating Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and ignoring the Shastra, rascals present themselves as incarnations and introduce their rascaldom 
as a religious process. As we have repeatedly said, rascaldom. Is that actually a word? Can somebody, can someone look that up on the phone if that's a word? Or that, that word was, I mean, if it wasn't a word, I don't think they would put it in the book. It's a nice word, huh? We, we were told that in India, I don't know about today, but previously, if you called someone a rascal, that was about the worst possible thing you could call somebody. There wasn't a word. Rascaldom is a word? Wow. <laughs> the whole body of rascals? What's that, the society of rascals? Seems like Prabhupada's using it in a, a different, like the process of being a rascal. Rascaldom. What a word. Mm-hmm. As we have repeatedly said, religion can be given only by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. From the discussions in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we can understand that in different ages, the Supreme Lord introduces different systems and different religious duties. In this age of Kali, the only incarnation of Krishna is Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, not Swami Narayan, not, not so-called Paramahansa Ramakrishna, and not the many other incarnations that are loitering on every street corner of India, as Prabhupada said. And he introduced the religious duty of Kali Yuga, the chanting of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So, we are just talking about misfortune, and um, those who are intelligent, they will take to the Sankirtan moment. Those who are fortunate, uh, and... Sometimes Prabhupada was asked why someone will take Mahaprabhu's mercy someone else won't. Does that have anything to do with their karma? Anything to do with their piety? And Prabhupada said, they're just fortunate. They've, they've been given fortune and they've taken advantage. And maybe not qualified to be fortunate, but given fortune and taken advantage of the fortune. That's their qualification. How did you become rich? My uncle gave me a million dollars and I took it. My only participation in becoming wealthy was that I took it. That's all I did. Other than that, I'm a poor man. So we're all poor spiritually and our only qualification is that we were smart enough take it, despite all our disqualifications. So this is text 353. The Vedic literatures composed by the omniscient Mahamuni Vyasadeva are evidence of all spiritual existence. Only through these revealed scriptures can all conditioned souls attain knowledge. 
Report, foolish people try to concoct knowledge by manufacturing something in their brains. That is not the real way of knowledge. Knowledge is Shabda Praman, evidence from the Vedic literature. Srila Vyasadeva is called Mahamuni. He is also known as Veda Vyasa because he has compiled so many Shastras. He has divided the Vedas into four divisions, Sama, Rig, Yajur, and Artava. He has expanded the Vedas into 18 Puranas and has summarized Vedic knowledge in the Vedanta Sutra. He also compiled the Mahabharata, which is accepted as the fifth Veda. The Bhagavad Gita is contained within the Mahabharata. Therefore, the Bhagavad Gita is also Vedic literature, Smriti. Some of the Vedic literatures are called Shrutis and some are called Shmitis. Srila Rupa Goswami recommends in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Shruti, Smriti, Puranadi, Pancharatta, Bidimbina, Aikontiki, Hare Bhakta, Utpattayaiva, Kalpate. Unless one refers to Shastra, Shruti, Smriti, Purana, and so on, one's spiritual activity simply disturbs society. In other words, Prabhupada's making that same point that if you're in ignorance, it's better you don't speak because soon as, as soon as you speak, you illusion people. So if you don't know anything, you can't help anybody, but if you don't know anything and you speak like you do, then you can hurt people. So... You know, the greatest service of these so-called scholars would be not to speak, not to write books, and get a job somewhere and just live an honest life. At one time, <laughs> this is funny, Prabhupada was talking about self-sufficiency, and he was talking about these professors who don't really know anything, although they're professing to know something. He said, he said they're not contributing to society because they're not giving knowledge. He said, better they just get some land and grow their own food. At least that way they would contribute some something of value. Interesting, right? So-called Brahmins. They're not contributing. Um, not only are they not contributing, but they're harming. They're disturbing. They're creating problems. Right? Yes? I'm trying to sit in front of the light behind me. There's so many lights, it's hard to... Get this right. And someone will see this and see the light behind me and they'll post, oh, he must be an incarnation. He's got light behind him. Incarnation business, you know, it's a good business. We get a lot of followers who should surrender to the incarnation of God and give them everything. So, but beyond, but we're not in the business of taking people's money. There is no king or government to check people, and therefore society has fallen into a chaotic condition as far as spiritual understanding is concerned. Taking advantage of this chaotic condition, many rascals have appeared and proclaimed themselves as incarnations of God. As a result, the entire population is indulging in sinful activities 
such as illicit sex, intoxication, gambling and meat-eating. Out of many sinful people, many so-called incarnations of God are emerging. This is a very regrettable situation, especially in India. So, (laughs) Prabhupada would sometimes say, you American people, you're so intelligent, but you've been duped by these incarnations. Not so intelligent. You're materially intelligent, but how is it that you've allowed these incarnations to cheat you? And so then Prabhupada gave an example. There was one so-called incarnation. So um, he started an incense business. And Prabhupada said, why would God have to start an incense business to make money? All money is his. He's the source of all opulence. And that same incarnation had a toothache. And they had to rush him to the dentist. And Prabhupada saying, now God has a toothache and you have to take him to the dentist. And people are not smart enough to recognize this. Yeah. And Prabhupada just speaking like a baby, like a, like common sense of a child. He's God and he has a toothache? No, that can't be. I mean, if he wanted, he could. But it wasn't his Leela, that's for sure. It definitely was not his Leela. And this same so-called incarnation was not really the most attractive person, most beautiful physically. And Prabhupada said, God is beautiful, not like this so-called incarnation. So, just common sense, right? Simple. So Prabhupada ends this purport by saying, this is a very regrettable situation. In that sense, atheism is better than misleading people. Because if you don't believe in God, I mean, that's in a sense misleading, but if you have the wrong con- conception of God, or you, if you propose to be God, that kind of misleading is much, much worse. We were, um, I've been preaching in China, and they did a little survey amongst the devotees, what was your religious background? And Buddhist and atheist, predominantly. And Buddhism is a kind of form of sunyavad, a kind of atheism in a sense. And these are the people who are becoming devotees. Atheists and Buddhists, you know, covered atheists, or whatever you want to call. So, they're in a better position than the so-called religious person who has the wrong conception or a so-called person, a person who surrenders to a so-called incarnation. An actual incarnation of God never says, I am God. Remember that the next time someone says, oh, so-and-so is an incarnation of God. Ask, did he say he was? Sometimes they don't. The people, like with Swami Narayan never said, the people say. But definitely, uh, sometimes they do. And so here, we say, well, our Shastra says that if someone's an incarnation of God, he'll never say that. So that immediately disqualifies him. He can't be an incarnation of God because our, the Vedas say he won't say that he's God. An actual incarnation of God never says I am God. Or 
I am an incarnation of God. The great sage Vyasadeva, knowing all, has already recorded the characteristics of the avatars in the Shastras. In this verse, it is clearly stated that a real incarnation of God never claims to be a real incarnation. According to the symptoms described in the Shastra, one can understand who is an avatar. It's just like, uh, and who is not. It's like, does a humble person claim to be humble? No, disqualification, immediately. I'm the most humble in the whole temple. No one's as humble as I am. Oh, okay, now we know you're not humble. I am God, okay. Uh, I think one time Prabhupada said, if he's God, ask him to show his universal form. So then they asked him, and he said, I can't show it to you because you're not qualified to see it. Like Krishna gave Arjuna eyes to see the universal form. So he wiggled out of that one by saying, you're not qualified to see it. And that was Prabhupada's challenge. Oh, your God, where's your universal form? Can you show it? Because Arjuna, Prabhupada said, Arjuna was thinking in the future, there are going to be people who are going to claim to be God. So Krishna, please show, please demonstrate that you're God by showing your universal form. And then when someone says, I'm God, we can say, okay, can you prove that by showing your universal form? Because Krishna did, and Krishna's God. And it's known in Bhagavad Gita that he showed that form. So if you say you're Krishna, fantastic, glad to meet you. Can you? I just want to verify this for, for um, what do they say? I just need it for security purposes. <laughs> I just need to verify this for spiritual security purposes that you're God. Can you? So where's your universal form? Instead of giving me your social security number, I need your universal form. So this is all this is all basic childish stuff, isn't it? Text three fifty five. The Lord does not have a material body, yet he descends among human beings in his transcendental body as an incarnation. Therefore, it is very difficult for us to understand who is an incarnation. Because he appears to be like an ordinary person. You know, one of the most amazing things Prabhupada said, you probably know this, is that Krishna was walking on the planet and hardly anybody knew he was God. That's hard to believe, isn't it? Like, how could you not know? Like, what's wrong with you? How could you not know? But it's such an interesting statement because what Prabhupada is saying, Krishna is manifesting his opulences, but hardly anybody can see it because they don't have faith or they don't have knowledge. Therefore, it is very difficult to understand who is an incarnation. And the real, inca- the real incarnation comes and nobody thinks he's God. And some Baba, this Baba comes and millions of people think he's God. Isn't that amazing? Prabhupada said only a handful of people understood Krishna's position. And then you have so-and-so Baba and everyone's saying he's God and millions of people worship him. That is so interesting, isn't it? Only by his extraordinary prowess and uncommon activities, which are impossible for embodied living entities, can one 
partially understand the incarnation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, you have this other, other problem now, and this has probably been a problem forever, and it's still a problem. Well, Krishna did this, why can't I? Well, Krishna danced with gopis, why can't I? Krishna stole girls' clothes, why can't I? The whole idea is, he's setting, I guess the idea is, well, if God does it, it sets a precedent. No, that's, uh, again, a misunderstanding. Okay, so Prabhupada said, okay, that's all right. So, you want to dance with the gopis, okay. Krishna also lifted Govardhan Hill, so do that. You know, get your prerequisites, your undergrad. Your undergraduate work to imitate God is lift Govardhan Hill. Once you do that, then we'll talk about your PhD to become God. So, no, no, I don't want to act like God, I just want to enjoy like God. No. First lift Govardhan Hill, then we'll talk. If you can't lift Govardhan Hill, don't talk. Just take one wife and be happy. You get one. Krishna had 16,000, but you get one because he's God. All right, you get 16,000. Can you expand yourself? Because if you're going to get 16,000, it's not you're going to visit one every 16,000 nights. How many years is that? Like 15 or something? Not you're going to visit your wife once every 15 years. She's not going to be happy. You're going to expand yourself and live with 16,000. Can you do that? Okay, then you can do it. Can you give them 10 children each? Can you support them? Can you build a palace? Okay, you can do that. Fine. Get 16,000. No problem. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Hmm. Oh, I have a great story for you. You're going to love this story. So I was in uh, Jagannath, no, I was in Orissa, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago. And just at that time, the police were cracking down on bogus gurus. They were finding them and exposing them and arresting them. And they had caught like the biggest guru in Arissa, you know. I forget what he did, but basically cheating people out of their money and maybe some uh, illicit activity. And then he said, all the gurus fled Arissa. It was only in Arissa that it was being done. He said, all these, you know, famous gurus, they all got on the next train out of there. Because they're all bogus. Just, and, and he told me that it's such a common problem that they're bogus that he, this, this devotee, he's a doctor, he said, but when he was in school, all his friends said, why are we going to medical school? We should just become gurus. We can make more money. It's a much better business. Not that they were serious, but what they said was true. And, and um, there's one famous guru and he, and I don't know if he told his history, but his history was that he was a business person or something, and he was a good speaker. And his friend said, hey, you ought to become a guru. You're a good speaker. You know, then grew his hair out, grew his beard out, threw on, threw on the robes, and, you know. 
branded himself. And now he's guru. One of the biggest gurus now in India, I saw an interview with him, and they said, um, do you follow any scripture? And he said, no. I just, you know, speak what's there. And they said, well, what were, what were you, he's super popular, like millions of followers, and he's speaking all over the world. He said, what were you doing before you became a guru? He said, oh, I was a chicken farmer. And these people who are listening to him don't consider, oh, he was a chicken farmer, and now he's a guru. How did he make the transition? And whenever you, whenever you talk about guru, you want to get their credentials. And so the first thing you ask is, who's your guru? Oh, I don't have a guru. If you don't have a guru, you can't be guru. The first qualification of a guru is to have a guru. Because your, your job only is to represent your guru and speak what he spoke and be appointed and empowered. If your guru doesn't tell you to become guru, you don't do it. So how can you self-manifest guruship? No disciplic succession. Totally bogus. And all these people are bewildered by it. It's amazing, right? You know, to invest in a stock, they'll spend so much time investigating this, investigating that. You know, to find the best fruit and vegetables, they'll drive to this market and they'll smell it and touch it and read about it. Is this, yeah. But to accept a guru, it's, oh yeah, he says he's God, looks good, everyone's happy, okay. That is called mandabhagya, great Greatly unfortunate. Kali Yuga, greatly unfortunate. And Manda Sumanda Matayo, not very smart. Uh, it's putting it mildly, but spiritual brain cells are quickly dying in people's brains. This is, this is just common ABC sense. No credential. And he's guru. Okay, great. What about the surgeon, your brain surgeon? He's going to do brain surgery, and you think, well, maybe I should ask him what his credentials are. And he says, I don't have any. I taught myself. It was revealed to me in meditation how to do brain surgery. You might have second thoughts, maybe, possibly, right? But guru, whose life you're putting in your hands, your eternal salvation, oh, yeah, he smiles nicely. He's my guru. Isn't it? Yes? Nobody's questioning credentials. They're like, what? So, what kind of intelligence is that? Manda Bhagya. Manda Manda Sumatayoma. It's like, no intelligence, no fortune. It's unfortunate. Kali Yuga, unfortunate. Because there's so many rascal cheaters in the guise of gurus and incarnations. So, it's so unfortunate. And we are so fortunate that we met Srila Prabhupada. Sharup lakshana ara tathashta lakshana. Edui lakshane bashtu jane munigana. By two symptoms, personal characteristics and marginal characteristics, the great sages can understand an object. So the next verse explains. Bodily features, nature and form are the personal characteristics. Knowledge of his activities provides the marginal characteristics. Hmm. So what does Prabhupada say? Okay, look at, 
the incarnation of God. Well, when did you become God? Oh, in 1974, I went to the Himalayas and I had my realization I was God. The prophet says, God doesn't realize in 1974 that he's God. He always knows he's God. He doesn't become God. Oh, and what date did you become God? Oh, it was April 24th, 1983, I became God. No. It doesn't work that way. One of the funniest things, this is like out in the open, and I don't think many people know this, but when we were young devotees, they had a movement of someone known as Guru Maharaji. And he was pretending to be Bal Gopal. He was a little boy, like 14 or 12 or something. And his mother declared that he's God. So he was masquerading as God, and he had a whole movement. Do you know about this? You know, Fortunately, if you're... If you're under 50 or 60 and maybe not from California, you you fortunately missed it. But he was masquerading as God and he'd, you know, he'd go to events and come in on an elephant and you know, wearing crowns and so forth. And, and it appears that he got in a fight with his mother one day and she declared to the media that actually he's not God. And I looked him up, and now he's like a, he's like a, a, a what do you call it, a motivational speaker. Wears a suit and tie, and just like an ordinary guy, you know, motivating people to be better. You know, interesting, isn't it? Cheaters and the cheated. Hare Krishna. So, when we discuss these things... The conclusion is Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. That's the conclusion. That if you stay with the Prabhupada, you're safe. And if you veer away, it's hard to say if you're smart enough to be safe. And unfortunately, not everyone is intelligent enough to understand these things. And I think as Hindus, you have a huge challenge because you worship everything. Everything is worshipable. Right? Do a puja for your TV. You ever done a TV puja? Install your TV and do a puja. You know, Everything is worshipable. Well, in a sense, it's true. But not in the sense that, that people nowadays understand it. Everything is sacred. Everything is in relation to Krishna. But, so, it's like Hinduism... You've taken something good, and because you lack gurus and knowledge, that you know you do puja to your new car, you do puja to your this and that. All right, you know something that somebody said. There's something in the shastra about puja to vehicles, you know, create safety and this and that. Okay, that's all right, but you take the tendency to worship to the extreme. So anyone, as Prabhupada said, who has long hair and a beard and wears a robe, you worship as a sadhu. And that's dangerous. Yes, is that true? You don't want to offend him because maybe he's the real thing. But Prabhupada is very clearly describing who is and who isn't. And Prabhupada was not afraid to so-called offend these people and to speak about them for the benefit of everyone. He spoke very harshly because he saw them as 
great enemies to the welfare of the populace. So if you stay with the Prabhupada, you'll never be misled. And if you don't, there'll be the tendency to worship so many things and so many people. And when you worship someone, you imbibe their qualities. So you have to be careful who you're worshiping. So if you worship, you know, gods in the mode of ignorance, then you imbibe that. If you worship bogus gurus, then you'll imbibe their bogus qualities. And you worship a pure devotee, you'll imbibe their qualities. So, something to consider, isn't it? Who you, you know, be careful who you worship because you're going to imbibe that nature. Right? So, you have any questions or comments on this? Or discussion points? Hare Krishna Prabhuji, thanks for a wonderful lecture in the class. On, on the same topic, they're talking about the bogus guru and incarnations. I just recently read in the news that somebody claimed himself like incarnation of Kalki for the last 25-30 years. Now the police and all the informants and department is after him and he's running <laughs> and absconding. So he said he was Kali? or Kal- Kalki. 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 And he'd come to kill everybody? No, he just had like a lot of followers and had able to oh. amass a lot of wealth. Oh, okay. And yeah. so, so it's very recent also. <laughs> Have any of you seen that video? There was a young Indian boy who was born or at least raised in America. And he was, he was, I don't know what his motive was, I forget. But he decided to become a bogus guru as a social experiment. So, you know, he grew up in America, but he could imitate in, in speaking like an Indian because, his, because of association with his grandmother, I guess, and his parents also. So he grew, he grew his hair out. He was maybe like 30. He grew his hair out. He grew a beard. He, you know, he knew something about yoga. He knew something about yoga philosophy. And he said, I'm going to become a bogus guru. He made up bogus mantras to get people to chant. He made up bogus philosophy. He said, I want to see if people will follow me as a social experiment. And he got many people to follow him. And he was, you know, he really played, he was like an actor playing the role of guru. He knew how to do it. Always smiling and wiggling his head and, you know, wisdom quotes. And the sad thing about it, I mean, he admitted to his people he wasn't going to lead them on and he wasn't trying to make money. It was a social experiment. And he made a video about it. But the sad thing was they interviewed people. You know, he made sure everything was filmed and they interviewed people while this was going on. And I forget the name, you know, Baba something. And they were saying, Baba, Baba so-and-so changed my life. I feel so much love with, with Baba so-and-so and so many of my problems have gone away, you know. And it was just amazingly scary what they were saying because they had accepted him as this great yogi guru and then everything 
that's supposed to happen in your life when you're in the association of a great guru. It's they were perceiving that it was happening. And what a revelation for them when he finally came out and said, I'm not a guru, I just did this as an experiment to see how gullible people are and how they will follow someone who has no substance. Because everything he taught, he made up. You know, he, he, knew the, he knew yoga philosophy, so he just mixed it up and threw in his own ideas. Any of you seen that video? Unfortunately, I don't know his name. It's actually a little scary to watch, the, the, to see the interviews of people, because then you start questioning your own realizations. Am I just, you know? But of course, we have bona fide gurus, so we know what's going on within us is genuine. But it's, it's, I think it's sobering in the sense of um, how to approach a guru in an in a intelligent way. Yeah, so that was a, interesting. So we have a question. I sometimes wonder what placebo or what's faith. Sometimes we think it's faith, it's just placebo, like you're explaining. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting question. How do you know if it's real or not? Well, you know, it's, one thing you know is real is if the person is real, the, your faith in that person is not going to harm you. It's going to help you. How do you know personally if it's placebo or it's faith? That will be tested over time. One excellent way to know is when your guru chastises you, how you react to that. You know, or when something difficult happens in your life, what do you do? How do you react? These are tests of faith. So it, it's really tested over the long run. You know, Sometimes for a short time you can be pretty inspired by the placebo effect. You think it's faith, but it's just excitement or whatever. But it has to become genuine at some point. Right? It's like it's like when a man and woman get married, if it's if they're compatible, then in the beginning it's wonderful, it's euphoric. But the euphoria wears out and you have to get to work and actually be a good wife or good husband. In the beginning, you don't have to be because your partner thinks everything you do is perfect, right? But after a while, they start to see everything you do is not perfect. And so you have to work to be a better husband or wife. It's a little bit like that. You, know? you think everything, uh, you're a little bit illusioned. And so the test of that faith is over the long run, that you've remained steady and you're progressing in Krishna consciousness. So that's not easy because so many people give up along the way. They can't do it. It's too too austere, too difficult. Their faith is challenged. Um, faith is challenged in many ways. You just you see paradoxes within the organization. You maybe see apparent paradoxes within the philosophy. You have your own anarthas, your own challenges. You question, you may question the validity of everything. And so these are the tests of your faith. 
Disciples somehow, oh my God, this phone is going completely crazy. Someone's going to have to help me. The question comes up, and then the names and the comments just keep revolving. Is that a Facebook problem of late? Nothing we can do. I was reading her question, and the question just got shuffled. So we may not be able to do it. Someone who's watching this on their phone could read the question. Because you'll be able to see it. Anybody watching this on their phone? Completely lost the question. This question from Satya, it's the second question from Satya Rupa. Yeah, not just sometimes, quite often. That's why those who take the role of guru have to be brahmins because brahmins are detached. And so brahmins will not exploit, brahmins will only give. Brahmins are not in the knowledge business to make money. Now, you look today, because I know something about this, if you're in the knowledge business today, you're in the knowledge business. You're marketing your books, you're marketing your workshops, you're marketing your counseling, and some people charge a lot of money just to talk to them for an hour or to spend a weekend at their workshop. They could charge you thousands of dollars. So, traditionally that's not done. So, especially in spiritual circles, the Brahminical paradigm is safe. You're not doing it for money, you're doing it to help people. People may give you money, may not give you money, you won't. It doesn't mean you're not going to stop teaching because people don't give you money. So, when I was young, we were given a mantra, but we had to pay for it. And Prabhupada used to say, because this, the, the mantra selling grew was very popular during Prabhupada's time. And Prabhupada used to criticize. This is not the Vedic system. The guru does not sell mantras. The disciple, the tradition is, when the disciple is given the mantra, he begs alms. That's tradition for the guru. Because disciple is meant to beg, humble himself to beg for the guru. But the guru doesn't say, that will be $108 for this initiation. There was one man in Mayapur Around his bicycle, he had hundreds of beads and he was selling diksha for 20 rupees or something. Come get diksha, yeah. So this is the problem. And so the world needs Brahmins and you and I are the ones that somehow or other have been chosen for this position. So in our dissemination of Krishna consciousness, we have to be careful that we don't want anything not even just a little acknowledgement, a little respect, a pat on the back, a few dollars. We want nothing. We just want you to be helped in your spiritual life. That's a Brahmin. Brahmins are detached. Give them a palace. 
give them a hut. It doesn't matter. They just want they just want to serve. So What did Prabhupada say? If you're going to buy gold, you better know what gold is, otherwise you'll be cheated. You want to buy a guru, you better know what a guru is, otherwise you'll be cheated. One time, maybe more than one time, someone would be talking about guru to Prabhupada. You know, like, what's a good guru, what's a bad guru? And Prabhupada would say, well, why are you asking me? And they would say, well, because you're a bona fide guru. And he'd say, how do you know I'm a bona fide guru? Like, like, don't just say that. What's the criteria by which you made that judgment? That's how Prabhupada was teaching. Don't just choose a guru or an incarnation of God without knowing what is a guru. And, and, and also... Another problem we have, what is a disciple? I'm choosing a guru. Okay, that's fine. But what does it mean to be a disciple? Have you thought about that? You know, I'm going to this doctor. Great. You know what he requires? That you're going to fast for a week, and then the next week you're just going to drink carrot juice, and the following week you're going to do yoga five hours a day. So are you, like, ready to be a disciple? So all these things are, uh, Prabhupada has taught us. And Prabhupada said, if you want to be duped, then Krishna will send you many people to dupe you. You know what dupe means? Cheated. Dupe a slang? Is dupe slang? Because when I go when I go to other countries and I say, you'll be duped, the translators can never, they don't know what it means. Maybe it's slang. Have you heard that word before? Duped? Of course you have. No, yeah. She has. It's not common. Indians use that word, duped? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur said something amazing. So Prabhupada said, if you want to be cheated, there are many cheaters. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, these bogus gurus are required because there are many people who want a bogus guru because they want to be cheated. So these bogus gurus are required, so Krishna facilitates their desire to be cheated by putting a bogus guru in front of them who will cheat, who will cheat them. It's a necessary process. Krishna gives you what you want. They serve a function. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Yes. Why would anyone want to be cheated? They wouldn't. But consciously they wouldn't, but they don't want to surrender and they want to grow in all the so-called prestige and facility that goes along with having it without having to pay the price. Um, you know, let's say, let's say so-and-so is a famous guru. If I become his disciple, there's some prestige, right? If I give a lot of money, then I can hang out with him and, you know, take pictures and when he comes to the temple, I'll be right there and all the people will see me. There'll be so many motivations. Other, so many motivations other than the right motivation. And this person doesn't mind that they're being cheated. He doesn't even consider it because he's just got the prestige. 
of being this disciple of this famous guru. Maybe they have a guru because they want to make spiritual advancement, but they're not really serious. And so they find the wrong guru. And so Christian provides the wrong guru for those who don't really want to surrender. How many people want to surrender? Raise your hand. Go out on the street. Ask people. You want to surrender to God? Have a process. Surrender. You'll get ulcers meditating on surrender. I don't. It's the last thing I want to do. So, when you come to that point that you want to surrender, then you're ready. Okay, I'm ready to finish my business in this life and go back to God. Then I need a guru. Before that, I don't really need a guru. Because guru means one who will take you out of this world. If you don't want to go out of this world, you don't need a guru. Why would you need a guru? And if you don't want to go out of this world and you have a guru, you're not going to like what your guru says sometimes because he's going to cut some things out of your life or he's going to at least suggest you don't do certain things. That could make you feel quite uncomfortable or uneasy. So don't take a guru unless you're ready to at least begin the surrendering process, at least be open to it, detached enough not easy, for sure. I'm not saying it is, but at least some qualification has to be there. Like, like you have to, if you're a disciple, you have to give your guru something to work with. You can't just be Jai Guru Maharaj and then don't do anything. Right? Or, or disobey the instruction. You have to, he has to be able to work with you. If Prabhupada you know, this lecture of Prabhupada was talking about Bilba Mangala Thakur and Chintamani, and he said that his guru was speaking through Chintamani, and Prabhupada in the lecture said, don't make me come to the prostitute house to save you. So, you know, the guru's job is to save you. Don't make his job difficult. That's what Prabhupada's saying. So, you know, you don't want to take a guru, and then you make his job difficult. Instead of serving, you become a burden. What's the point? because you really don't want to be Krishna conscious. Right? So you have to give your guru something to work with because his job is to take you back to Godhead. And if you can't follow him, if you can't detach enough so that you can become Krishna conscious, then he can't do his part of the deal. And then you're not really a disciple, although you may call yourself one. So there's a story... I mean, you know, there are different kinds of disciples or different degrees. So depending on how you want to define disciple, uh, you may come to this point and realize, oh, maybe I'm not really a disciple. So there were several devotees initiated by Bhaktisiddhanta. Three months later, they left and they said, they said to him, your disciples have left. And he said, those were not my disciples. They were never my disciples. So they had the initiation but he saw that they never surrendered. So he said, they were not my disciples. He was giving them a chance through initiation. But he saw that they didn't become disciples. Interesting, isn't it? After initiation, he's still saying, they were never my disciples. They never actually surrendered sufficiently or accepted me with the faith and detachment required to be a disciple, even though they got the initiation which is a, such a beautiful story. 
because we put so much weight on initiation. When in this case, it didn't mean anything because the heart wasn't there. So why would someone want to be cheated? Ask them. Get the prestige, get the so-called, maybe the feeling of security that I have a guru. And I like this one because he doesn't ask anything. That's my, my favorite guru, the one who doesn't ask anything. You know, if I become the guru who doesn't ask anything, wow, I should have thousands of disciples in no time. And Prabhupada said, he said, when I came to America, I didn't mind if I didn't make any disciples. So I wasn't going to compromise my principles to make more disciples. That's the guru. He's, he, he, one of my godbrothers was, was talking to a prospective disciple. I said, I said, what did you tell her? I said, he said, I told her that the guru doesn't need disciples. The disciple needs a guru. So the guru doesn't compromise to get disciples. But the disciple must adjust to what is required from the guru. So Prabhupada said, I never compromised. And I was never prepared to compromise. Even if not one person became a disciple, I would have not compromised. And why do we become disciples? Because he didn't compromise is the very reason we became disciples. Because it was the real thing. It was the pure ghee. Yes? Yeah. Hmm. Guru means heavy. Prabhupada said things that were very heavy. And sometimes, you know, our faith was tested. Is this really true? It doesn't seem true. How can he say that? What does it mean, you know? So, then Prabhupada said something very interesting. He said, when my guru is right, he's right. And when my guru is wrong, he's right. So what did he mean? Was Prabhupada saying Srila Bhakti Siddhanta was wrong? No, he was saying, due to my conditioning, I may think he's wrong. So, so when the guru is wrong, he's right, because according to my conditioning, it may seem wrong. But the faith of the disciples, no, it's right. Of course, in some cases, a guru can fall and do something wrong. But we're talking about the case when nothing wrong is done, but you think it's wrong due to your conditioning. Sometimes Prabhupada dealt with people in very, very heavy ways, and we're thinking, oh, he shouldn't have done that. And then we catch ourselves and say, how can we think that way? He knows. Krishna's speaking to him. He knows exactly what to do. Am I to think I know better than my guru? So when he's right, he's right, and when he's wrong, he's right. That was Prabhupada's motto. Is that okay? Anything else? Any other question? You have your any other question on the on anyway? Let's see if there's any comment there. 
Facebook is going nutty. Must be Russian invasion. <laughs> Trying to influence. Yes. Thank you for the class. Not really a question, but I'm just thinking how you mentioned about this famous guru, and I, I know the name, but I don't want to take the name. But So, how come these people are becoming so famous and accepted by everybody? Because somewhere they are able to connect with the people. I see that. Otherwise, they cannot become so famous. Well, they are charismatic. The people feel something in their presence, and the people learn something. But they also learn wrong things. So it's not that they're not benefiting on some level. But ultimately they're being cheated. So someone has some Shakti, some mystic power. Yeah, naturally people will be attracted because they'll feel something special. But Prabhupada's point is they lack knowledge so they can't discern or, the, or, or like we're just discussing. They, act, they lack the sincerity. And so if you lack the sincerity and you find a guru who's wishy-washy, it's very easy to accept him because anything is good. Whatever goes is okay. So very easy to be a disciple of that guru. Just give him money and he's happy. And do whatever you want. As long as you give me your monthly donation, I'll bless you to do whatever you want. Yeah, good business. Guru Maharaj, can I do this? Yes, but first, before you get the blessing to do it, I need the donation. So... And Prabhupada wanted us to expose, intelligently expose this, to, to help people. But also, your Prabhupada, when he came to America, he said, to you American people, you're very nice, and very intelligent, and so on. He said, but um, misled. That was the thing. But you're misled. So that's what's happening. People are misled. Okay? So we can stop here. And uh, today we're celebrating both Diwali and Govardhan Puja. So we'll, we'll be speaking more about that tonight. What time is the class tonight? Sunday feast class? Six o'clock? Six o'clock. There was a rumor we were going to have a Japa class this morning. I don't know if that rumor is true or not. But take prasadam and then we'll find out if that rumor is true or not after prasadam. Okay. Oh, yes. We, um, I have some books here that I've written in the last few years and some pen drives with all my workshops and pen drives with my music. So if you're interested in any of these books, you just see my end of here. Um, these books are actually written by me a few years ago, so it's kind of the maturation of my Krishna consciousness. I, I started writing them after I'd been a devotee 42 years or so. So a lot of things took 42 years to, to be able to articulate clearly or e even to just understand in the first place. So when people say, well, what are these books about? I say, well, one thing it's about is a lot of mistakes I made that you won't have to make now because I already took the wrong turn and I'm explaining what is the right turn and what is the wrong turn. 
And it's also about things that I've realized that have taken me pretty much my whole life to get clarity on. And then the third thing it's about, it's about breaking down the philosophy into practice. So sometimes we understand philosophy, but we don't know how it how it's done on a step-by-step basis. So I've done that in, in this book, Living the Wisdom of Bhakti. And most of the chapters have exercises at the end, so you can apply what you've learned. So I think it'll be helpful for a lot of you. So if you're interested, these books are here. And then I have on this pen drive... 34 workshops. Workshops means 5 hours, 10 hours, 15 hours, 20 hours. They're on the pen drive. And then about 30 or 40 hours of music, including all my CDs, on the other pen drive. So they're available here. And we wanted to offer them to you now because I don't know how many will be left tonight. But at least you can get them now. And we have a book on Japa called Japa Affirmations. There's only one problem. You have to know Spanish to read it because we sold all the English versions. And if you want to get the English version, you can get it on Amazon, Japa Affirmations. And it's, it sets the, prop, the ideal mood for chanting Japa. puts you in the optimal state to chant Japa. There are 20 affirmations to just set you on the path to good Japa. So that's available in Spanish. And we only have five left and available in English on Amazon as a Kindle or a hard copy. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Go Premanandi. Hari Hari Bo. Go Ranga.